Welcome to the latest edition of At The Flicks, your one-stop shop for movie news, interviews and reviews. Hello and welcome to Darren's Dash, a quick guide to some other films that you may have missed, but that I highly recommend you check out. We were to be joined by a new member tonight, however, that honour is postponed to next month. Today's Dash includes Boiling Point, The Phantom of the Open and Fresh. And Darren will also be adding a quick roundup section to the show. Careful, Darren, or you will start becoming like Jeff. And there is only room for one prima donna on these shows. Very good. To discuss these shows with Darren and myself, Jeff, Graham and Phil, Neil would have been joined us, but he's doing his prima donna stuff on his own. Now, without any further ado, it's over to Darren. Okay, so my first film this month is Boiling Point, which is a Netflix exclusive at the moment. And it's a film written and directed by Philip Barrettini and starring Stephen Graham. did have a brief uh, cinema release, I believe, but it never arrived anywhere where I could get to see it. Boiling Point is set one night in a classy London restaurant where the head chef comes to work and finds a health and safety worker doing an inspection and it's clear that things are not going well. Throughout the night, there are a number of storylines. There are several troublesome customers from an influencer and a famous chef and to an obvious racist who is giving his black waitress a hard time. There are tensions with unreliable workers and conflicts between the chefs and the manager who is only there because her father owns the restaurant. These are all interconnected stories that we follow and are filmed in one continuous shot. Now, if I was going to describe this film in one sentence, I would say it's kind of kitchen nightmares mixed in with the tone of uncut gems because it's got that really relentless tense atmosphere and it actually made me thank god that i was only watching a 90 minute movie because i was getting so anxious and worked up my heart was racing and i really don't think i could have gone with it much longer It's a really stressful movie to watch because you're living all the problems that the kitchen crew and all the staff there are having to face. I have not felt so wound up for a film since Uncut Gems. And it's a credit to the film that the one-shot method that it actually utilises, I never actually realised it was actually doing this until a good half hour into the film because it worked so well. It wasn't just a gimmick that they'd um, come up with. This actually fitted the storyline so well as the camera would be on one story and as that was sort of coming to a conclusion, it would just drift to another one. It was just so good. Kudos as well has to go to Stephen Graham. Oh, let's let's face it, he's so dependable in movies anyway. And in this one, you really got sucked into his slow descent as he's starting to lose control of everything that is going on in this restaurant. And you really feel the pressure under. Vinette Robinson, as his second in charge, is also great. Across the board in these films, you have tons of characters who all have these little moments, all come across as living, breathing people, all have their conflicts and these personalities. It's just an amazing, absolutely awesome ride of a movie. It, it really is. The thing that sort of, I would say, disappointed me somewhat is the ending of the movie because there are so many little stories going on that not many of them do you get any sort of um, resolution or conclusion to. And this is actually, quite frankly, realistic because in real life, you don't get things tied up in 90 minutes. However, in search of an ending, they basically come up with something which is so abrupt 
I found it really unsatisfied and it just took me down that little bit. I just felt it could have ended on something, you know, just something a little bit more satisfying. But otherwise, I thought this film was absolutely breathtaking. It will get you et up with the film. It's an incredible movie. I, I have to admit that when I came away from it, I did need to kind of sort of just calm down a bit because it had got me wound up. And but the funny thing about it is it is just like what you would imagine an everyday event in a kitchen to be. It's just sort of down to earth and, and realistic. It's an amazing movie. Much of what you say there, Darren, I got to agree with. I mean, to be honest, I probably take my cooking more seriously than my films these days. And so I was completely stressed throughout. Look, if you want to be a project manager, the only way to be a project manager is cook a Sunday lunch, plan it out from beginning to end. That is, to me, one of the ultimate in projects. Screw that up. I wouldn't even give you a job. I digress. But no, as a film, I, I think it's good. I think the one camera sort of constantly moving, although I believe there were two cuts in the film that are hidden but are there. It's really, really well done. It's tense. It was on the edge of the seat. I've not seen Uncut Gems, but this just freaked me out. And I do love films about cooking. I love Chef and Burnt, but I don't know whether I could sit through this film again. It's like an interactive play. It puts you in the centre of it. There's so much going on. It doesn't resolve a lot of it because I think it bites off more than it can chew. I don't want to knock ambition, but I think some of that could have been cut out and focus in. I actually think, and a spoiler alert here, it would have been the perfect ending if Stephen Graham had died because that would have fitted in with everything that had been going on, almost give a release to that tension. And while Graham's good, the acting honours in this film go to Vinette Robinson, who I thought was fantastic. I think this is a, a, a real triumph of a film, but not one I'm going to be rushing back to because I don't think my nerves could take it. What about you, Phil? I watched this a while ago and I thought he did die. I thought it ended with them giving like trying to resuscitate him. There was well, I saw it as it was fifty-fifty whether he was going to live or die. I'm with you. I, him dying would have been the perfect ending to this film. Hmm, okay, well maybe it was it was a it was a for you to decide ending, but I thought that he died. I don't know whether we want to keep this in because it's a massive. Well, we, we spoiler alerted. What do you think, Darren? Do you think he lived or died? Well, I thought they left it open. What happened to him happened, and you heard everybody scurrying around to help him, but it just ended there. I, I just thought maybe they resuscitated him, maybe they did it. I just felt they left it open. There you go. Okay. That's all three options covered. <laughs> yeah, that we covered everything, so it doesn't matter if we've got a spoiler alert now. My impression of it, this does sound negative, but I don't mean it to be. But like outside of watching it, when you finish watching it and you kind of think about what happened and you reflect on the plot, there's not actually much that happens. There's no grandiose or groundbreaking ideas. There's nothing that isn't just a bunch of people who are you know, doing their day job kind of thing. And some of them take it more seriously than others. And some of them have got other things on their minds. But for me, it's the style that makes the film. So this whole one shot thing you know, just absolutely works. So I did a bit of research on that. I don't think there are any cuts in there, hidden in there, Jeff. My understanding was that they shot the film four times across two evenings. Each of those four okay. is in one, yeah. one take. I stand corrected. I've already made a, a, a massive screw-up on another show this week, so I, I will back <laughs> straight down and okay. say I'm wrong. If you want to know, apparently it was the third take of four that they decided was the film, so that's what we, we watched. But, you know, for me... Everything about this is 
that method of filming that makes you completely stressed out, puts you right in the center of the action. The acting is brilliant. You know, all of them live and breathe those characters so that they can perform this 80, 90 minute single shot, no time to breathe tense sort of knife edge thing and whilst you're in it it's a gripping roller coaster and when you've finished watching it and you think about what actually happened you know there's nothing there that isn't the stuff of soap opera it's just how they do it that makes it so good don't you think though it would have worked better as a play than a film it depends where you are in the audience kind of thing so if it's a if it's a play where you're sat in a seat and they're on a stage kind of thing, then I don't think it would feel as immersive. If the audience and the actors were kind of in the same space, then perhaps. But I think it works well as a film. And and for me, that constant roving camera, one take, and just the audacity of being able to have all your actors know exactly what mark to hit, everyone sort of working in perfect unison is actually the bit that I think is so special about it. I actually think it would work well as a play as far as the script goes. But I think part of why I really liked the film was, as Phil said, it was so immersive. You actually did feel like you were in a, you know, a proper working um, restaurant. And the fact that the story and the camera took you to different parts where it took you to the uh, you know mm. the, the back of the, the um of the restaurant took you to the other areas of the restaurant in your head you had a sort of an, an entire map of what this restaurant was and and i think that was part part of it you know at times you did feel that this was an actual living breathing restaurant and while i think the script the story you could do it as a play but i think there was an advantage to do it on the film because of the realism of it to add to that, and do you think then, Darren, that when Stephen Graham started, I thought, oh, he's going to be like, this is going to be a Gordon Ramsay type character. But in fact, he pulled back from that. I thought as the film went on and the disasters start unfolding, particularly one fairly obvious one you could see coming a mile off, but yes. that's not to yeah. say it doesn't happen. He went from, I thought, right, he's going to be Gordon Ramsay, and he come back into something which I thought was much more human. And, and you had a lot of sympathy for him at that point. Did you think the same? Yeah, def- definitely, because he was someone who was who was losing it. So he was bringing his home life to, to work with all the problems with the debts that you find out he's got and everything and his own anxieties, his drug use. But also, he was losing grip of the situation and couldn't cope. It was like a, a you know someone's um, life spiralling before your eyes. And I think, yeah, and I think you did have a lot of sympathy for him. And I, I will say as well that from that very first scene with the health inspector, which I think at first you see, you start to think is a comedy scene because he's a stereotypical, arrogant health inspector that you all hate. But you could see as he's sort of pulling him up on these things, he's pulling him up where he's not doing these checks, he's not, you know, signing off on his sheets and everything. You could just see by his look how embarrassed he, he was. And you could tell that this, was, this wasn't somebody just having one bad night. This was someone whose life was already with problems. And I think that was, you know, that was a really good setting the scene at the start. But you, you sort of were in this position that, you know, you thought that this was a proud guy who's good at what he does as a chef and everything, but it's all slipping away from him. And tonight's the night where it just all goes wrong. Yeah. And my final point on this, back to you then, Phil, what were the performances that stood out for you? There were quite a few that I really enjoyed. So you've mentioned the female chef. Vinette Robinson. Yeah, Robinson. so she was... 
She was fantastic, but there was yes. also, was it like the sous chef or whoever, like the sort of person next to her, the Ray, Ray Panficky, I think his name was. So those two chefs and because she was kind of trying to protect him and keep him in line, whilst the other one had kind of lost his temper and yeah. Yeah, he'd, yeah. He'd kind of I'd, had enough I'd, of it. I'd sack him if I was in charge. Okay. Ray um, you know, there was little tiny sort of pieces. Like, so the young man who was the pastry chef and he had a moment, literally like a, a one-minute moment in the film, and he, he's not in the film for much longer than that one minute. But, you know, that was one of those scenes where, you know, you don't get any resolution, but it's such an emotionally impacting sort of point. And it's like little sort of moments like that. I mean, I was getting incredibly frustrated with the guy who was putting the bins out and just didn't give monkeys about his job. Because it was just like, if you could actually just pull it together and do your job properly, mate, you might actually like help people out here. I think all of them did a really great job. And just this whole idea that, you know, you think about these people who've got, you know, one minute or 90 seconds here and there dotted around in that 90 minutes, but they have to be absolutely on it, hit their mark, you know, deliver the goods, because otherwise, you know, that's that whole take ruined. So all of them did a fantastic job. Yeah, but it comes back to what I was saying about running a project. You've got the ones that don't really care. It's just a job for them. They they will just do the minimum they have to. You've got the argumentative bastards who will just challenge you on everything, and you're trying to organise it all. You know, it just fits into that environment. You must see it and what you do, Phil. Luckily, I'm retired <laughs> from it now. Yeah, I, uh, I, I thought it was funny. When you mentioned the project management, I thought, well, um, it doesn't matter how good it is at the end. Just throw it over the fence. It's fine. Yeah. Excellent choice, Darren. Uh, Graham, you've been fairly quiet because, of course, you've not seen any of the films this month. Well, the, would this, you, this would... is the point for me. This is the point of Darren's Dash for me. Darren's Dash is the colourful component of cinema where we tend to exist in a, a sea of beige films. You know, we get the odd bright spots, but this these are really the odd, quirky little films that are really worth spending some time trying to find uh, and sitting down and watching them. And this, for me, sounds brilliant. I mean, my wife will go up the walls. She'll be, oh, you're going to do that sofa squirm, aren't you? Where you start in the centre of the sofa, and as the tension rises, you drift over towards the edge of the seat. And it probably will be, because this sounds great. So I wouldn't recommend doing cocaine with it, because it'll just push you right over the edge there. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Uncut Gems. I think in the review I said... Uh, it was a, a 90 minute panic attack. And this sounds like it's a 90 minute panic attack in one shot with this is, lots of extra tension. This is a 90 minute nervous breakdown. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, you're really selling it now, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is definitely, I've just put it on my list. This is definitely yeah. all I want to watch. Yeah. Darren, brilliant choice. Yep. What have you got for us next? Well, film number two is, is a little horror comedy called Slacks which is spelled S-L-A-X-X. And this can be found on Shudder, which if you subscribe to Amazon Prime, you can add this as one of your um, add-on channels. Or you can get a, a cheeky um, seven-day free trial and then cancel it before you get charged. So Slacks is a um, Canadian film. And it's directed and co-written by Elsa Kephart. And simply put, it is a film about a killer pair of jeans. And when I say it's a killer pair of jeans, I don't mean that it's killer in that they're really awesome or cool. 
it's literally about a pair of jeans that comes to life and goes on a uh, killing spree. They're not called Billy by any chance, are they? <laughs> no. Billy Jean? <laughs> no. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. So this is set in a trendy, frankly, pretentious clothing store. You can see that it's obviously like um, a bit like The Gap, which is uh, one of the co-writers actually worked in, so a big influence there. And it's a store that makes a big thing of its ethical practices. And it's on the night that it is launching a brand new campaign after the store has closed. And the the main character is a young girl who is working her first night for the store. She absolutely loves it there. She's really excited to work there. And it's also on the night where she has to, she's the one that has to take the fight to these uh, killer pair of jeans, which has gone on a rampage. I thought I'd put this uh, film on just one evening, just as, and, and I, I really, I wasn't expecting much. I thought it just sounded like a really crazy premise. And I thought it was just going to be like a, a one joke movie. I thought I was just be hoping for a zanially short little movie with some uh, entertaining um, kills in it. It's, the film is less than 80 minutes. I really did get the bonkers movie that I wanted. It's a lot of fun. I had a blast. But I was actually surprised that there was a degree of of cleverness to this film. For me, it wasn't just a horror comedy. It was a horror satire. It gives a right good, proper and well-deserved kicking to these retail fashion stores like The Gap. It was a really biting um, commentary on the sort of brand-conscious corporate retail stores and their exploitative nature when it comes to their staff and also their use of uh, sweatshots. There is actually a purpose of why these genes are haunted and why they're going these, uh, this, this killing spree. Because of that, in a funny sort of way, you actually have some sort of sympathy for, for it. I won't actually tell you what the reason why, um, you know, just in case you check it out yourself. But let's, let's just say that it has something to do with their less than ethical um, use of um, overseas labour, shall we say. And the fact of the matter is as well that aside from the, uh, the two main characters... Most of the workers in this film are really unlikable and they are quite stereotypical, but they're also really effective. You have the manager who is the complete and utter yes man, totally ineffectual manager, out and out company guy who is such a company guy that he actually tries to cover up what's happening because he doesn't want it to spoil the big launch of their event. You have this absolutely obnoxious influencer who gets invited in for the launch. And you've got your various workers, some of whom are sort of like really lazy, some of whom are really creepy. Because of the store that they're working in, quite a few of them have a really stuck-up attitude as well. It actually makes some of the kills actually quite entertaining because they're sort of and they're really done as well in a um in almost a cartoony, over-the-top way. So you can't really sort of take it too seriously when you're seeing people uh, getting murdered. And so you can basically just sit back and have a, a lot of fun. But like I said, you know, the, the satire, it's not the cleverest satire that, that you will have. It's very on the nose. But I honestly would put this on a par with what you got in um, Don't Look Up, which was a, a, an Oscar-nominated film, and everyone went on about how, you know, how satirical it was and everything. I, I thought the satire in this one was just as much and, and quite frankly, a lot more effective because you could really root for it. The special effects are, are quite good. You know, they're not half bad. It's, um, you know, they're really creative in making these genes come to life. There's um, one scene in particular where a pair of genes overhears someone, um, one of the characters, like singing this Bollywood type tune. And the gene starts to react and actually starts to dance 
and it looks really, really good. And sometimes in, in the film, the actual the jeans, they manage to they use the, um, the pockets of the jeans so it sort of makes a face, so you get a bit of humanism in it. In the closing credits, they actually show you how they achieve these special effects. And I, I, was, I was really in, impressed with this. I thought I was going to enjoy this film just because I like really crazy concepts in films and just really bonkers stuff. And so I did get that. But it also had, like I say, this sort of, you know, this really rebellious, angry vibe at consumerism and the kind of um, brand trap that we as a society are always falling for. And also the kills as well were really sort of gory and funny. I had a blast with this movie. It shows that what you can actually do it, even if you have a really small budget and a really small production. If you've got people who actually have something to say and they've got some sort of passion, because you could tell, and I've actually seen a question and answer with a few of the people involved in this, and a lot of the creative people have worked in these sort of environments, these sort of, you know, posh fashion shows. And so you could tell that they had a real sort of getting one back at this sort of thing, but was a real passion to be able to stick it to them. I myself work in retail, and I've never worked in a um, in a fashion type st- store. But even with that, I could see things that I could relate to a little bit. I don't want to say what they are because I might get into trouble for it. But just just a few things that the, 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 some of the people that you work with, also the sort of you know the brand type thing that goes on, but also as well some of training philosophies that you have. But I could just sort of relate to it a little bit. And like I say, that's not even working in these sort of environment. A really fun movie that had a really guilty, really rebellious, angry street to it. And and I, I really enjoyed it. I haven't seen this. Phil, you have. Yeah, um, Darren's hit the nail on the head. It's an old-fashioned, high-concept B-movie wrapped up in a bit of modern-day moral messaging. It's 77 minutes long. It's straight to the point. Um, I think the acting in it's really good. Lots of slasher effects, ridiculous premise, but just lots of fun. So... The thing the store reminded me of, what I loved about the store, it's kind of got that white, everything's white Apple store sort of look to it. And all the clothes are sorted by colour as opposed to what they actually are. So like an each employee seems to, you know, one's in the green section and one's in the orange section. The slogans, they're making a better tomorrow today. I think they have um, lots of B things. So it's be you, be leave, be come, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just... This takedown of you know fast fashion, takedown of you know, are these companies that t- talk constantly about ethical behaviour actually ethical? Do they actually care? Or is it just the buzzword you know to get them customers? Because the main character is a an intern, like a new new employee, and she clearly loves this company because she believes what they've sold her, and then she gets to see you know actually what they're like. It's not too heavy because. It's about a pair of jeans that murder people. And yeah, it's lots of fun. I really, I actually would really recommend it. And as Darren said, watch all of the credits. There's lots of bits in the credits that are really good fun as well. Okay, so we've had two recommendations there. That probably means Graham and Pat are going to sit and watch this one night. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, this sounds fun. Yeah, I what mean. What I would say is if you, you are going to do the um, seven day shudder trial thing, I think it's called The Host is an amazing film on Shudder. Yes. Um, and I'm sure Darren probably would have to recommend more as well. Yeah, no, I I'm think that's sure, two for two, Darren. Yeah, I'm sure that I recommended that on my uh, Dash uh, a couple of years ago. 
I think it was 2020, it came out during lockdown. That was one of my favourite films of the year. That's a film that you need to watch on your own with the TV late at night because it's it's absolutely... Oh, I, I, oh, Christ it's almighty, absolutely, Darren. Getting Graham to watch it's enough. <laughs> it's, it's Darren's so, doing the scene setting now. Oh, God, yeah. what... <laughs> It's it is one of the it's one of the most terrifying films I've watched in a few years. The host, it oh, is, great, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. amazing. Well, let me just right you, taking you, that one you, off. You know how to sell these films to a horror wuss, don't well, you? You can get your seven day trial shudder, watch the host, get yourself really scared, and then you can watch Slacks and have Slacks make you realise that horror can be fun as well. Oh, yeah, okay. I can tell why you're not in psychiatry, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scare yourself shitless and then okay. scare yourself I, again. Yeah. I would certainly watch this. This is on my yeah, list. Sounds great. And uh, yeah, I'll check that out. Two for two, as Graham said. Yeah. Now, number three did play with my mind. And over to you on that one, Darren. Okay, so number three is a movie called Fresh, directed by uh, Mimi Cave. And in the UK, it's available on Disney+. And I think overseas, you might find it on Hulu. It's a very dark movie. It's called a, uh, a comedy thriller, although at times that the comedy label doesn't quite come to the fore, at least not for me. And it's been classed as a, a satire on dating. So the film follows a young girl called... Noah, who's played by Daisy Edgar-Jones, and she's struggling with dating. In the opening, she's having an absolutely disastrous date with a guy who's complete and utter dick in every sense of the word. Later on, she chances upon a charming guy played by Sebastian Stan, (laughs) who she uh, clicks with and starts to date. And the best friend is very suspicious because of the fact that this guy's not on social media. But she continues to date him a few times and then he invites her to go off with him for a weekend in a um in a cabin in the middle of nowhere where he promptly drugs her and takes her captive again this is one of those times when i'm not gonna go too heavy into spoilers because i had to suffer through this film and anyone else can as well because the reason why he has drugged her and what his plans for her heart and what happens next is absolutely shocking and disturbing just will will blow your mind and absolutely freak you out it's it's just it's just incredible you know what the actual plot of this movie is so let's just put it on my phone this film is as tense as hell it is not for the faint of hearted at all it works on, on, on many levels because you have the story of nora and how she's planning her escape but just as compelling is the story of Molly, who is her best friend, when she realises that Nora's gone missing and she's trying to track her down and she's going to actually try and find out the identity of this guy who has kidnapped her. So you've got that investigating that she's going on and being really smart. But it's also really tense as well as she's getting closer and closer to uh, to finding Nora. And just both stories themselves were just so full of um, suspense and intrigue. It's a really disturbing movie. What what does get you real disturbing as well is is the way that Nora tries to um to escape, and how she actually tries to use dating to try and connect with her captor, and how some of it and how she 
she has to try to try and reach out to him. She herself has to um, try and find a, a sort of a dark humorousness in the situation that she has. She starts to make these little jokes that make you think is she starting to get a little psychotic as as well. Uh, but this is an absolutely amazing movie, and it is seriously effed up. It's a really wild premise. One of the things as well that I think worked really well with it is Sebastian Stan, because he is so good in this role. He's got that sort of charming to him, but he's also completely scary. And that the fact that he's so charming makes him even more hateable. And the fact that he's obviously a sort of a sociopath because he has no regard of what he is doing. He's just, he doesn't even seem to be enjoying what he's doing, but he's doing this because he's got a business plan behind him. He's just doing this as if it's just sort of a natural entitled thing to, of, of what he's doing. And there's a moment as well where you meet his wife. And there's, there's this just one little moment, this one little reveal that absolutely had my jaw on the floor. This film hits you from all sides. Uh, like I say, I can't say too much of, uh, about it because I, I really don't want to spoil it for anyone who's going to check it out. But it is worth, if you can stomach it, it's really, it's really worth checking out. I will be amazed if when it comes to December and when I um, when I do my uh, my top ter- my top ten for the year, I'll be amazed if this isn't in there. When writing this, I, I went back to the film and just to to watch a couple of, of 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 scenes just to sort of clarify in my head. If you can, you really need to watch a couple of times. Because there are so many little foreboding things that I missed the first time. There's there's a little something that Sebastian Stan says or when we're eating a meal. When you know what's coming has a completely different meaning. Honestly, this is one of the most incredibly horrific but also satisfying movies movies as well. Honestly, it's you should really check this out. The fact that it's on Disney Plus is one of those things as well that really just blows my mind. But yeah, really check this film out because it is, if, if you can get through it, it is an absolutely awesome movie. Thanks, Darren. I didn't think I was going to get through it, to be quite honest. I'm not going to give the game away. I'll do exactly what you've done and, and not reveal too much in, in terms of detail. But I had to split it down into two halves. Come on, you big wuss comedy thriller and you couldn't handle it that's what you'd say to me isn't it watch it then (laughs) no you phoned me you phoned me halfway through and said i can't continue with this i had to stop and then come back to it later exactly yeah um no chance on watching this ever i think one of the things i really liked about this film although i won't rush to go back and see it again is I hate the A24 films because they put the theme is out there before story. This has story in the theme underneath. In many ways, it reminds me of films uh, such as Hostel, although there are elements in here of American Psycho and a Bob Balabin directed film from the late 80s called Parents. And all of that is is integral to the story, but you don't need to be aware of it. It's all about domestic violence and relationships and how they can break down. And to the extent, and this is as far as I'm going to go on this, Darren, without giving the game away. If you're in a domestic violence relationship, you hear so many people say, he's taken a bit of me away with that. You know, a bit of me's gone. And it plays that almost literally here. So I think that that is extremely well done. Sebastian Stan is an actor who reminds me a lot of Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons, in his first 20 years, played the most unlikable of parts 
And Stan seems to be making a career out of this. The moment you see him on screen now, you just got to say to whoever's there, just run. Get away from him as fast as you can. But as I said, it's really good. It's not for the faint-hearted. There are moments in this film that are absolutely shocking, and some of it's very unexpected. But I will stop, because otherwise I will start revealing things that take place. Phil? I feel like I'm bad now, because one, I thought it was okay. It was interesting. Tell me you related to Sebastian Stan. <laughs> no. He's but... misunderstood. So I think... I think it's interesting and everything you've said about why you think it's good are all the things that make it interesting, but it didn't connect for me in the second bit. So obviously I, I, I'll talk about why, what I didn't like about it in a second, but, and I, and I feel bad about that because you two both really liked it. But the bit that worries me possibly more is I didn't think it was particularly dark or <laughs> I don't know what I normally watch, but I wasn't impacted. I didn't think it was particularly scary, particularly dark. So maybe I do need to see a psychiatrist. I don't know. What did you have for tea tonight, Phil? (laughs) (laughs) What did I have? I had a curry for tea tonight, so it's Okay, fair enough then. What I liked about it, okay, so it does this really fun thing where the first half an hour is a completely normal film that, you know, you would watch on Disney+. Plus. And then the credits pop up at the half an hour mark. And then you get this completely other film about the twist that we will not be revealing. I definitely think that you, you we shouldn't and that you should watch it without knowing what happens. I think that the camera work and the editing were really innovative and they fit perfectly into the aesthetic that was being created. And the, my favourite part of the film, the thing I loved the most is in the opening five minutes, that bit where you said about comedy thriller, it's not a comedy at all until the last five minutes, I didn't think. But those last five minutes I thought were hilarious because there are a number of really witty callbacks to things that have happened previously in the (laughs) film. All that tension is expertly put away in those sort of five minutes of humour. Very, very dark humour, admittedly, but still humour. And, and they're all the things I liked about it. The bit that I didn't, and the reason it didn't really connect with me as being anything more than interesting, is I didn't think Daisy Edgar Jones. Daisy Edgar Jones? Yeah. yeah. British I actress did, as well. Yeah, so, I, so, so there was nothing wrong with Daisy Edgar Jones and nothing wrong with what Sebastian Stan did. I just didn't find them particularly engaging or their characters particularly gripping and there are other films and other actors within those films that I would love to go this is for me who could have played this role who could have done this better and I've seen this better in this and this and this I can't tell you because if I tell you I ruin this film for you and I don't want to ruin the film for you but what I will say is you know it is a very interesting film I enjoyed you know what they did in terms of how they made it I didn't like it anywhere near as much as I reviewed it, unfortunately. I, I think for me, one of the things with it that I would change, I think it was too clever, was in that first 30 minutes, the romantic comedy type thing. That was far too long. That should have been half of that length. 
because I was starting to lose interest come through. You know what I'm like, Phil, like, uh, you know, I have attention deficit syndrome and, and I was starting to get a bit bored by it and then but, it pulls the rug out from underneath me. I know what you're saying, but quite a few of the bits that happen in that are what make the last mm. five, ten minutes of this film so funny. And it's kind of that bit of if you cut some of that, you don't get that payoff at the end. So it's oh, it's also got a really, really great dance sequence in it. Oh, wow. In that half hour, if you rewatch it, there is lots of little foreboding bits as well. It's not just them getting to know each other on dates and, and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff that Sebastian stamp, but when you watch a second time, you think, oh, that's, you know, that that's that, that's <laughs> building to that. That, that. that plays off later, you know. So it's not it's not just filler or being sort of, you know, it is, it, there's a lot of things in there which are there for a purpose. Uh, there's two great dance sequences in it. One where he's dancing alone and one where they're dancing together. Which one do you mean, Phil? Uh, the one where they're together, it's so peculiar. It reminded me, um, there's a great dance sequence in Ex Machina um, with Oscar Isaac. <sighs> yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's that level of surrealness in the dance sequence where they're dancing together. Yeah, yeah so nice one, Darren. Um, yeah, one that we won't forget in a hurry. Okay, then. What's next? The final film. So after after I've actually put you off going to restaurants, after I've put you off going to buy a pair of jeans, and after I've put you off dating for the rest of your life, this one's a little bit more, um, <laughs> a little more easygoing, shall we say? So this is the um, uh, the Phantom of the Open, which is directed by Craig Roberts and is uh, based on the uh, ridiculously true story of Maurice Flickcroft who in the mid-70s became somewhat of a, uh, a cult hero on the golfing circuit when, on a whim, he took up golf with the intention of entering the British Open. And he actually thought that after a few um, few sessions that he'd actually mastered the sport and he actually thought that he was going to win it. So he managed to blag his way into the qualifiers and proceeded to score the worst round in a um, golf competition in history. I think Neil beat him on that. <laughs> And from there, he um, he carried on trying to qualify using a range of false names and disguises, which saw him being um, banned from every golf course in Britain. It's actually based as well on the um, the book of the same name. Flickcroft is played here by Mark Rylance, and Sally Hawkins plays his wife Jean. Now, as much as the antics on the golf course are uh, you know the big moment of this film the film also follows the effects that his misadventures have on his family uh, in particular his uh, twin sons who themselves have this uh, really weird dream to become um, champion disco dancers and also the effect of he has on his other son who is trying to social climb his way into the uh, world of business and uh, becomes embarrassed by his father's antics and the effect it has on his own career i've got to say um i've not actually read the book myself I know the basics of the Maurice Flickcroft story, so I don't know how accurate a lot of the events are in this film. But frankly, I I really don't care because what I got from this film is that it is absolutely likeable and charming. And it really has that British underdog story that we uh, as Brits always seem to love. If they are nice and funny, that is to say. Yeah. Now, the thing about this film as well is it's very much about dreaming. 
Um, you really get a feel for uh, Flitcross's uh, life. He works in a really grimy job on the docks, the day-to-day working life, which is the same day, day in, day out. And you actually do admire him for being eccentric enough to actually have a dream and to follow it, even though you know how ridiculous and unattainable this dream is. There is a bravery about him that he put himself out there, you know, and put himself in front of people. And despite the fact that he can never attain those dreams, he's never going to get that sort of big win that he wants, his life does change because of it. His life does leave a mark on the sport, you know, much more than a lot of the middle of the road um, golfers do. And I think this is just a a wonderful, nice, feel-good movie. At the start of this year, I said that this was um, actually one of my most anticipated movies of the year. And I was really satisfied with it. It's not the most daring movie, but if you wanted to come in here with a warm, feel-good movie that is absolutely sweet, this is the one to go for. It's a really nice film. And it's also quite clever in some places. I noticed in, in there that a lot of the scenes where he's in his uh, at his home and his, sort of his roots, his, his, uh, his day-to-day work, it's shot very grimy, very dark. And yet when he's on the golf course, it's obviously always in the daytime. You've got the colourfulness of everyone's really elaborate outfits and everything. And there's a lot of laughs to be had along the, the line. You know, Miss himself is a great character. And this sort of ridiculousness of this working class guy who goes into the golf world which is is full of all these little sort of like weird little sort of um, traditions and tropes and everything him trying to sort of you know you know come to terms with all of that with the gear he has to wear or the etiquette that he has to go through and everything and there's a really funny scene where he meets a young Seve Ballesteros I saw this in the cinema and sadly it's one of those films that it was literally there for one week and it's a shame because this being a British film has a very British feel to it. I would have loved this to have been a real sort of runaway success. And like I say, it was there in cinemas and then just sort of gone the next. I, I just thought this was absolutely heartwarming and really funny as well. Yeah, I would agree. Again, uh, another cracking selection. Uh, it's it's fun. It's lightweight. Ryland's plays it very well some of the most absurd parts of the story the disco dancing twins that's all true the only thing for me with it is the mark rylands character is genuinely nice and humble to everybody except for anybody that sort of looks down on him and then he just keeps referring to them as tossers and in particular of course the recipient's character is the antithesis of everything that rylands wants to be you know, he, he just absolutely dislikes that sort of snobbishness. And in a way, the film this invites comparisons with because of that is Eddie the Eagle. Now, what's interesting is in Eddie the Eagle, in both the film and in real life, that antagonism between the two sides is still there. It's still there to this day. I've seen Eddie Edwards give a talk on this. He's still very angry with these people. Whereas in this film, they find a sort of area where both give a grudging respect to one another, which I don't think would have been there in real life. And I I felt that was a bit of a put down in a movie that really was about class. It come to a compromise I just didn't think would work in real life. That aside, it is very funny. Ryland, Sally Hawkins are excellent and just well worth seeking out. Phil, what do you think? 
Yeah, it's it's brilliantly funny. It's wonderfully uplifting. It's quintessentially British comedy. It's rewarding to watch. You talk about film that it kind of reminds you of. This came out, I think, two weeks after The Duke. And we, we reviewed The Duke on one of um, our shows, and I hated it. I thought it was boring as hell. This is a based on a true story, like The Duke. Features a quintessential working-class British character. He's middle-class, he pushes against the elite and all that sort of stuff. Exactly the same sort of themes, but it does every single thing better. It's just night and day in terms of, you know, the enjoyment that you get out of one to the other, at least for me it was. And Darren kind of mentioned about how it's about he's a dreamer and, you know, they have this whole visual flair that they in- incorporate about his sort of dreaming and the whimsical nature. The fact that his wife has a love of theatre and, you know, he uses her um, costumes and things. And, you know, for me, the the greatest bit in it is I think he's finished his working week and he walks out and he's got his work overalls on and he opens up his work overalls just like Superman to reveal his tank top, his golf tank top that he's about to go onto the course with. And it's like his Superman, sort of Clark Kent to Superman moment. And, of course, the number plate of his car is Kalau, which is um, Clark Kent's Kryptonian name. Um, And it's those sort of touches, along with the sort of the uplifting nature of it that makes it so good. It is really, really worth a watch. Yeah, I thought Mark Lewis Jones as well has played his mate with the dodgy criminal past. It was <laughs> yeah. very funny, very funny. Yeah, he got um, it down the market, didn't he? Yeah, he got it down the market through a mate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everything. So Graham, oh yeah, uh, I didn't ask you if you'd see Fresh because it was just been a waste of time. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, this is on my list. I mean, Neil threatened to beat me up with a set of golf clubs if I didn't watch it. So yes, it is on my list to see. We now have a new feature called Darren's Speedy Roundup. <laughs> so even Hi- better than a dash. A <laughs> hyper dash. Over to you, Darren. What's this section about and what are you going to talk about? This little lot is simply going to be the rest of the stuff that I've been watching and recommending. It's not stuff that I really want to or have the time to basically sort of, you know, really sort of go go into, but just to sort of mention the uh, the things that you might sort of find enjoyment elsewhere that I've sort of, you know, discovered. So anyway, if, uh, if anyone basically uh, wants to um, take out that um, uh, free trial with Shudder, to watch slacks there are a couple of other things you can watch on that channel as well there's a couple of great horror uh, documentaries called searching for darkness and searching for darkness 2 which uh, go into the whole history of um, of the horror movie movement have lots of celebrity uh, celebrities and people from the horror uh, industry on there being interviewed both documentaries are really long um the the second one is about four and a half hours but the great thing about it is all the uh, elements are in these sort of bite-sized little chunks so you, it is something that you can stop and go back to you don't have to watch the whole thing in one go but one thing i will say about them is if you're going to watch them have a pad with you because you will come away with a whole list of movies that you want to check out afterwards because i certainly did Another really good film on Shudder, another Shudder original, is uh, called The Seed, a really cheap, low-budget alien invasion movie, which I sort of got a lot of, uh, you know, 
you know, it was about 90 minutes and it wasn't the greatest film you ever saw, but it was fine and entertaining. And another film I really recommend on Shudder is a film called Greener Grass, a satire on the on suburbia, and it is one of the weirdest messed up movies that you'll see in a long time. I won't describe it, but just to say that the opening scene has two where mothers are taking the kids a football game, and one just gives the other one her baby to bring up. And that's the kind of wildness that you get in this film. So that one's called Greener Grass. And believe me, it is a weird movie. Over on um, Disney Plus, if you uh, if you like fresh, another really good film to check out is a film called No Exit. No thanks. I've done fresh. I'm not doing anything like it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a wimp! God, lonely. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a lot tamer. It's basically just a, 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 again another nice little ninety minute movie about a young woman who's trapped in a snowstorm with uh, several other characters, one of whom may be a kidnapper. And again, it's a nice little simple uh, movie. That's a good one to go for. Also on Disney Plus, check out the TV show Pam and Tommy, which is about the story of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee and the scandal of the stolen sex tape. And it's a really good little um, series that one, really funny as well. Over on Netflix, if you fancy another couple of um, really short, not so not great movies, but you know, quite good to have as a um, on a Friday night with a couple of beers. There's a good thriller called Weekend Away about uh, uh, two people going on holiday and one of them goes missing. Not the greatest film, but has enough good twists in there to make it fun. And there's also another film called um, Till Death, which has Megan Fox in it, which is again a nice little sort of a misery style thriller. The really big thing that I um, I want to talk about, though, is um, on Apple TV, which uh, is a streaming service that doesn't get the viewership that all the big ones go. It's still sort of trying to find its way. And I took out a free subscription on this cause, really because I wanted to see Colder, which is on there, which I'd really recommend. It's the, uh, the Oscar winner for Best Film. But there's some really good TV shows on there. Really quality stuff, and I was really surprised. It actually made me extend, keep paying for it because I wanted to watch these TV shows. A few examples of, of the shows on there: um, Slow Horses, which stars Gary Oldman, Brilliant. which is yeah, Brilliant. really good show. Yeah. It's basically great show, but a, less say, less we say about that, the better. Yeah, they're filming it in Stroud, by the way. Yeah, I walked right, onto okay. the set of Slow Horses season two and mistook it for a George Clooney film. There you go. All his movie knowledge credits yeah. just disappeared. Yeah. As somebody said mm. to me, should have gone to Specsavers. Hey, Phil? Um. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Slow Horses, I recommend. It's kind of like a, um, a spy um, drama, but it's all about a, a contingent of um, agents who are either washed up or they've messed up or are just really bad at their jobs. And they're all basically thrown together to give menial tasks, but they manage to get embroiled in this like really high profile case of a, a young lad who's been kidnapped. So it's kind of like a redemption story, baby. It's a really good drama. Um, another one which I really recommend is The Morning Show, uh, yep. which is a story set uh, behind the scenes of a um, morning TV show in America. It's got a really good cast. It's got Jennifer Aniston. It's got Reese Witherspoon. And it's got Steve Carell in there. The premise is that a morning TV show, it's hit by a Me Too scandal. And also at the same time, they bring on a, a brand new... Um, uh, presenter in Reese Witherspoon who clashes with Jennifer Aniston who is like the established star 
So you've got lots of politics that's going on in there um, at the same time as you have the Me Too scandal. So a lot of sort of current event stuff. Season two is also really great because it as it, it continues the story, but it also is one of the first dramas to actually really get into what happened during COVID and lockdown and how it affects this show. It's a really good second season. I really recommend this show. It's a you know it's really worth checking out. And the final show that I want to talk about on Apple, and it's a show that I wish more people were watching this show because no one that I know is, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's a TV show called For All Mankind. And the premise is really simple. In the first scene of the first episode, it's an alternative history one where the Russians beat the Americans to the moon. So it starts where you see the Russians um, landing on the moon. And it then has a knock-on effect to how history changes because of that. Obviously, it changes the space program in America because they rush now to get to the moon themselves. And it also starts this sort of um, Cold War space race between the two countries. Little things happen in the first episode as well. For example, um, because the Russians get to the moon, it means that the an inquiry headed by Ted Kennedy happens. And because of that, Ted Kennedy has to cancel a certain party that he held at his, um, at his home, which is actually the party where he went on the drive with the uh, person who was having the affair with and she died. So in this, in this alternative history... Yeah, in this alternative yeah. history, that never it's happens. Brilliant. So because, it's brilliant. Yeah, so because of that, you know, he goes on to basically challenge for the presidency. It's a great TV show. What they do with the concept and where it actually goes in the into the second season, it's amazing. That I've just finished the second season and the final episode is one of the best season finales I've seen in TV show for ages. I absolutely love this show. There's a third season coming. If you like films like Apollo 13, if you like The West Wing, if you're interested in Cold War politics or any, anything of that, check this out because it is such a good show. And it's also got a lot of sort of social commentary about sort of sexism, racism, prejudice, that sort of thing, homophobia. It's a fabulous, fabulous TV show. And really, I would really recommend it taking out. You will be you will be hooked. You know, trust me. Well, well, I am hooked. I, I listened to you, oh, you at the end of uh, our show the the other night. You said sit down and watch it, and I watched it yesterday, and I was blown away. As you say, that the first twenty minutes, really, you think, what's happening here? What's going? Oh, holy shit! Oh, wow! And then that's it. You're in. Yeah. Okay. If, if you so, watch the first episode, you'll be hooked. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, so I'm interested. You pick three shows from Apple, and they're all good shows. Uh, although I haven't seen that last one, but I, yeah, see what the critics say. But you haven't mentioned the best show of Apple TV, Mythic Quest. No, I was thinking Ted Lasso myself. Ted Lasso's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the thing. I mean, Darren said it up top. People don't talk about Apple, right? But I think there's, you know, I've not seen any of the ones Darren said, and yeah, he thinks they're amazing. You, you've I not seen that, Slow Horses. No, not yet. I mean, oh, oh, it's right up your street. No, oh, it's, it's really good. But, you know, I was discussing this with someone the other day because they were like, oh, are you not watching Ozark? And I was like, well, no, but I can list half a dozen shows that I am watching that I think are amazing. And it's impossible now to keep up with everything. But but yeah, the answer is Mythic Quest. Apple Apple Mythic Quest yeah. is just See, I'm, I'm not even new to that, great. but Ted Lasso is incredible. Do you not fancy Ted Lasso then, Darren? 
Um, I, I do. It's it's again. It's one of these things that there's so much nowadays. That it's sort of tough to get um, to to get round of uh, round them all. But yeah, Ted Lasso. I've heard lots of stuff, and I, as a football fan, I really should check it out because I've heard that I, I would enjoy it. But there's there's other series, uh, series as um, as well on there that I've um, heard good things about. There's um, what's the one the, uh, the, the the Dickinson one? Yeah, Dickinson. Emily yeah. Dickinson. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, that that one I've heard, you know, really good things about. Yeah, but there's there's one I've heard about called Raw that I've heard some really good stuff about. But yeah, and there's and there's one there's one coming out. I think it starts next week actually called the uh, the Essex Serpent. Uh, that that's yes, you know, which that is looks good. That, that's a yeah. great book. That's a great book. Is that the Tom Hiddleston one? Yeah, yes. that, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. The other one that I haven't finished yet that's yeah. that's really good is Severance. Yes, and I yeah, that's on my list to watch as well. And on our movies, Greyhound, I think, is quite a good little movie. The Tom Hanks film. Oh, that's yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think that the thing that surprises me with Apple is just the sheer quality. If you compare it with what Amazon are doing and what Netflix are doing, they're just throwing masses of quantity out. Apple are just very reserved in what they release, but. Everything they've released, apart from the, the Stephen King thing, which I had a real problem with. Uh, Lucy's story. I still haven't finished Lucy, it yet. Lucy's story, that's it. Lucy's story. Lizzie's story, yeah. Couldn't get on with that. But everything else has been really high quality, really high quality. If you're a Bruce Springsteen fan, they've got Letters letters for You. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ah, Phil, that's the first time in ages you've mentioned a singer or group that I've heard of. <laughs> <laughs> We have eclectic taste. <laughs> okay, so I think the end result of that then, Darren, is if you haven't got Apple TV, go get it. Yeah, definitely. And it's very cheap as well. You know, it'd be a lot, yes, the go thing yeah, about these streaming good. things, a lot of them, you sort of get for like, you know, the, the price of a, um, well, less than the price of a, a coffee and a muffin from a, um, from a coffee house these days. Yeah. So let's start wrapping things up then. So what's your favourite pick of the month? I'm really gonna have to go with fresh. It just because it's just it, it because it, it's just so entertaining and also actually sort of you know really scary at the same time and just sort of it feels that sort yeah. of like really original. But yeah, I, I'd go with fresh as my as my pick for this month. Okay, and I think it's fair that for somebody who hasn't seen any of the films we reviewed this month, he's now got to go watch your favourite pick of the month. No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He'll pick a it's round. It's not scary, Graham. It's fine. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't you start. I've had, an, I've had years of Jeff describing stuff as, oh, come on, it's a dark comedy thriller. Okay. Uh, good stuff, good stuff. Graham. So I can safely announce that's a wrap, and the Darren's Dash at the Flicks is in the can. Thanks, Darren, for your new roundup. Selection is very informative and a great plug for a great TV station being Apple. Yeah, so anyway, thank you guys for letting me do this and also thank you everybody who's listening and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>